me about her. I have no secrets from you. All marriages have their secrets. And we're back. Welcome once again to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. And we teased this at the end of last episode. We have a special guest joining us. Look, it is Halloween week, right? So we figure, how do you make a review scary and spooky? Well, you bring in one of your favorite recurring guests, and you review a movie that's going to really send chills down your spine, as this one will. Not in the way that you think it would, or a scary movie should, but uh, <laughs> this is going to be an interesting review. But I am your co-host, Mike One. Co-host also, Mike, in a moment. We are joined once again by Amanda of Swell Entertainment on YouTube at Love You Too Golka, L-U-V-U, the number two, G-O-L-K-A. That is her handle on both Twitter and Instagram. Swell Entertainment is her channel on YouTube. Uh, she is nice enough to join us today, and she kind of demanded to join us today for reviewing the new remake, <laughs> Why of Rebecca that just hit Netflix, Michael. I love that we all came together on this one, Mike, because we all kind of had the same reaction to where it just annoyed us so much that we had to talk about it. And I think this is the perfect reason to do a podcast, uh, to be quite honest. So it's awesome that she is back. Uh, she's been doing great work on YouTube lately. She just covered Quibi's demise with a video, Quibi is dead. She did. There's uh, nobody that's made more money off Quibi than I think Amanda has, which is well-earned because nobody's made money on Quibi otherwise. Somebody needs to make money on Quibi. I'm glad it's her. Uh, she did a video on bad ghost hunting. And uh, she's done recent movie reviews on The Devil All the Time, Mulan, uh, New Mutants over the past month or so, uh, New Mutants, which she also reviewed with us. And yes. that was a film set from hell, new film set from hell. We also re reviewed all of the old film sets from hell from the entire production history of Hollywood, all the craziest, most costly and drug infused film productions of all time we had a great countdown episode there where she told quite the story about titanic mike yeah I, I feel almost bad i feel like we have to get her in here for you know a decent movie at some point but <laughs> new mutants wasn't it and i don't think rebecca is going to be it either but what we're talking about today is the 2020 remake of rebecca it did just debut on netflix it stars army hammer who we are big fans of yes. mike you and i have not talked a lot of smack about army hammer today oh, might we be will the today day. yeah <laughs> lily james also is co-starring in this as well as Kristen Scott Thomas. Uh, like I said, it's on Netflix. Here are some specs. The premiere of this movie came out just earlier this week on the 21st of October. It is not doing well, critically. Uh, 46 Metascore, a 44% right now on Rotten Tomatoes. That's on 157 critic reviews, carrying a 6 out of 10 on IMDb and a 43% tomato audience score, Michael. Yeah, it's directed by Ben Wheatley of High Rise, Free Fire, Kill List, Down Terrace, and the upcoming sequels of Tomb Raider and The Meg. This man is going to be doing sequels, Michael. Uh, he is uh, adapting this story uh, heavily on the novel by Daphne du Maurier, who wrote My Cousin Rachel, which uh, was a Rachel Vice movie, I believe. Which wasn't terrible. Right. Uh, the Birds, short story, that became a Hitchcock film. Don't Look Now, the short story, that became a great uh, Sutherland, Donald Sutherland film, Nicholas mm -hmm. Rogue. So she wrote some adaptable things. And, of course, Rebecca, the 1940 film, by Alfred Hitchcock, starring Joan Fontaine, Lawrence Olivier, George Sanders, and Judith Anderson. That was nominated for 11 Oscars, winning two for picture and cinematography, Michael. So this had a high degree of difficulty to it, and we're going to make fun of it for not reaching <laughs> any of its goals. Shooting for the stars and falling in the swamp or something like that. Yes, uh, we could talk about the plot premise quickly before Amanda joined us. 
a young newlywed arrives at her husband's imposing family estate on a windswept English coast. Mm. Adjectives, adjectives, adjectives. <laughs> and finds herself battling the shadow of his first wife, Rebecca, whose legacy lives on in the house long after her death. Not going to lie, I really enjoy that premise. That might that premise is misleading because it's way better than the movie. <laughs> That's, that is the mountaintop. Uh, yeah. So uh, we had film sets from Hell with Swell. Now we're going to have a remake from Hell with Swell. <laughs> we will bring in Amanda. Guys, here is our review of Rebecca with Amanda from Swell Entertainment. And we will see you all on the other side. All right, on the line right now, once again, Amanda from Swell Entertainment, who we were basically, along with the rest of the Twitter spheres, threatened into having on this podcast to let her review this. Amanda, how are you? I'm doing great. <laughs> Not true, but we thank you for being here, and uh, we certainly thank you for uh, getting us to do this movie and studying this movie. It is such a, a weird film to really sink your teeth into, but uh, more on that in a moment. First of all, you know, you had quite the story on Titanic from our film sets <laughs> from Hell with Swell episode. Well, this sounds to me like a, a film set from heaven, and I need you to get into why that was. <laughs> I told you it was a terrible joke. <laughs> In the pre-show, we went on and on about you that did, joke. You did set it's that a, up it's for It's the it. worst joke. But I, I, yeah. And I delivered it. If, if it makes any concession here, I delivered it as poorly as possible. But there you go. Film set from heaven. <laughs> Why was Rebecca that? Well, I think the the pre the prelude to that is Lily James's uh, Rome excursion with Dominic West, uh, a married actor, oh. and how that all played into the Rebecca promotional tour. Because she, after those photos came out of her canoodling publicly on a tandem bike ride. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Dominic West is the leading man in a show called The Affair, right? So does anyone think maybe he's just going super method here? Okay, best news part of that, he might play Prince Charles in The Crown. But, I mean, well, so he's just doing research, basically, is what yeah. we're saying here. <laughs> but, um, so after those photos came out, she canceled a bunch of the promotional interviews she was going to do for Rebecca. So that all kind of ties in here. But then now recently, news came out that she was seen, you know, being a little flirty with Army Hammer on set of Rebecca. And according to an inside source from Army Hammer's ex-wife, what really put their relationship on the rocks prior to their divorce was in 2019 when they would have been filming this movie, which is she found text messages to Army from someone named Adeline, which is what Lily James was known as on the call sheet and on her trailer while filming Rebecca. Little, little gossip, little, I like it. We, we, it's been a long time since we've had anything from Hollywood other than, you know, the world is literally a dumpster fire right now. So Lily James is just doing her part to get everyone interested again. Yeah, the last time something like this happened was the Mary Elizabeth Winstead and Ewan McGregor, uh, that whole debacle of him leaving his wife for her. And they're happy now, see? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this could, who knows what's going on next in Hollywood. <laughs> Now, my ironic dad joke aside, to set that up, <laughs> I, I'm like a middle school uh, chaperone at a dance, a Catholic school dance, right? And Mike, you, you see it differently. You think uh, people should get what they can get where and when they can get it because the world could be in another pandemic anytime soon. So you're in favor of all this canoodling. Mike. I'm far beyond someone that's going to judge anyone for doing anything <laughs> at 2020. If you got to do what you got to do to keep yourself sane. I mean, look, in all seriousness, we, we've had stories like 
like this that have worked out, like Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie were a power couple. They did basically the same thing on the set of Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Why are we going to vilify these people? They're all, you know how impossible it has to be to first of all be as super known and recognized as Army Hammer, Lily James, etc. Mm-hmm. And second of all, to, to be in the presence of Army Hammer, I mean, <laughs> Timothy Chalamet was flirting with him on set too, you know? So like, let's let's relax a little bit before we start ca- casting dispersions on people. See, I'm not here to cast dispersions uh, because, you know, what you do in your own life is your own business. I just think when you do it publicly, when you're a famous celebrity, yeah. then I get to throw stones because that's just dumb. <laughs> like, how can you forget that you're a famous actress or actor, you know? Like, how do you just forget I, I that mean, and then canoodle publicly in hers, maybe. I don't know, man. She's bad at code names. <laughs> Really bad at code names as well. I mean, she might as I well guess. have called herself not Rebecca in the text. <laughs> Does her character even have a name in the movie? <laughs> not according to IMDb. Well, see, okay, I also do want to throw stones because if they were in fact being all flirty and there was something going on on set, why did that not transfer to screen? Because they had no chemistry whatsoever. That's true. Maybe they were like too good. Maybe they had too much chemistry behind the scenes and they didn't want to like inform their significant others of what was going on. So they had to be standoffish and that's the explanation in my head I have to go with because this movie was just terrible. I mean, I want to call this stupid Gone Girl for the most part. <laughs> no, because Gone Girl was clever and this couldn't pull right. off being clever. <laughs> like, I love the, the if you break down the, ba- like, I'm not doing a spoiler, but if you break down the basics of the story, yeah. it's such an intriguing plot and they made right. it boring to watch. Yes, which in a way takes talent. <laughs> yes. Like, I have to commend them on that. Well, that's the thing, too, because, like, the Hitchcock movie... I think it leaves a lot more to the imagination. It leads you to put together a lot of things. It's about implication. It's about inference. It's a 1940s movie, and they're doing that. And this movie, they kind of just spell it out for you the entire film. So I'm wondering, like, what your guys' expectations going in. Like, this movie, to me, felt like there was enough to hook me, uh, and this movie was good enough or cool enough or, you know, I mean, a romantic thriller. We haven't had a good one in a while. But bottom line is, mm-hmm. I thought this movie was good enough for to let me down. And that's exactly what happened. <laughs> well, for me, I haven't seen the original Rebecca. I love Alfred Hitchcock, but I couldn't for the life of me remember if I had seen this or not. And then I tried to find it and it was sold out on Criterion Collection. Now I guess it's available on YouTube, but I couldn't find it. But the trailer alone, there was one segment in the original trailer that was in black and white. Mm. And that alone made me want the movie in black and white. Because I feel like for this type of story in this tone, you either have to do really muted pastels or do it black and white. Because mm. I'm, I'm going to criticize cinematography in this because they have a beautiful setting. But I do think some of the scenes, I was like, this looks dull. How do you have this looking dull? Yeah. And, and I to go along with that, maybe not in cinematography, but with production design. I mean, you have an Oscar-nominated production designer attached to this. You have this gorgeous giant mansion that's supposed to basically be the main character for a lot of different storylines in this and I felt like it was so disjointed like I felt like we were just in separate rooms you have something like the favorite that came out a couple years ago that's it's in this sprawling castle the sprawling mansion in its own right I don't think we had one single shot in this that tracked from a hallway into a room into another room we went like from hallway to bedroom to different room to different room looking out the window it's like I don't feel any cohesion here. I was so Mm -hmm. super let down. I guess my expectations were tempered, though, because, Mike, we had talked about this might be the most unnecessary remake of all time. And we were like, are we going to review this? Are we going to not? The only reason I took a dive in to watch this is because 
I saw Amanda again threatening the entire Twitterphere, <laughs> being like, "I have to review this with someone." So I, I think I went into it like hoping it would be a train wreck, and I wasn't let you down. Not <laughs> let down, and I guess that's why I'm curious uh, to ask about expectations, always, guys, because I, I in a movie like this, I turned on the protagonist pretty quickly. Like when she orders yeah. oysters for breakfast, that's it. It's just going to be a hate fest for the rest of the film you know, from me. <laughs> I'm wondering, was there a moment? Well, even that, even that scene was confusing because it's like, oh, I want this, and then she looks confused when they actually come, like she didn't know what she was ordering. It's like what? She ordered boogers for breakfast. (laughs) She, I'm gonna get more into this in spoilers, but I think Lily James in this movie is one of the most preposterously written characters of 2020. Mm -hmm. Like it is absurd the different hats she wears with no exposition or explanation throughout this film. So that's a good segue, Mike, because we have a maddening central character that I think is supposed to be with all kinds of shades of gray in the book. And it's supposed to be a young girl. I mean, 20 something, early 20s, and she's with this early 40s guy. And it's kind of a slimy premise, but okay, it's 1930, we'll deal with it. And then uh, we get home and there's a butler named Frith and there's a lot of just nonsense for the rest of the film. It's not <laughs> Downton Abbey. At least Downton Abbey. You know, say what you want against Downton Abbey, Mike. And you say a lot. I plan on it, yeah. <laughs> this, the, the clarity in this story is ter- it's not Downton Abbey levels of clarity. Oh, there, there, there is no clarity. I asked, listen, full disclosure, and it's going to be news to Amanda too. We got on the mics before we hit record for our intro. And Amanda, I asked Mike, hey... How did how did this movie end? Like, what happened to this character? Because I was con- so yes, no clarity is lacking here severely. And even then, it's like just because they tell you something doesn't mean they gave you clarity. You know, like that doesn't answer questions. They're just like, no, this is what happened. It is it really? You sure? <laughs> and that's what I kept asking myself. Like, oh, that's it. It was just everything was like a letdown. Yeah. Uh, just plot wise, and I don't think it's supposed to be that way with the novel. I think you know. I guess revelations are always different. But any any uh, overall non spoiler script thoughts here? Swell, what did you what did you think of the butler's whose name was Frith? <laughs> Who and and they had to remind us at least five times that his name was F. R-I-T-H, Frith. Yeah. Um, my main criticisms of, like, the plot as far as a way that's not a spoiler, the twist was dumb because I was bored of it. <laughs> and the because, the, like, the whole seg- the whole opening, it's set up as, like, I, I God, I'm trying to think of how I can word this. It's set up as something much more sinister, and then it's supposed to not be sinister suddenly, and then I'm bored. <laughs> Because in order for the twist to work, these two characters have to have chemistry because you have to buy that that leads into the rest of the story and they don't have the chemistry to make you believe that this is their reasoning for doing everything else. You know how on posters and trailers and stuff they have quotes from different critics who review the movie? (laughs) (laughs) Just imagining like the twist happens and then I'm bored. I'm at Swell Entertainment. And then there's there's a bunch of ellipses and then and then I'm bored. But Mike, I think, you know, I think we're starting to get onto something here. We have these charismatic movie stars and I I guess we could segue into performances a minute early, but we have Army Hammer reduced to this himbo who just wants to get laid. See, he's not a himbo though. That's that's categorically against being a himbo cuz I'm sorry. He was so unlikable in this, his character. And himbos 
by definition, have to respect women. And I'm sorry, he doesn't. It was I very, very much weird. like how this trying to be cool. I'm yeah, sorry. I was going to say, there's no way you brought that in without the Twitter conversation we've had. <laughs> you guys got out of the episode. In. You guys got out of an episode where I would define himbo and then show you guys famous film himbos. So you guys got out of that. Okay. And the embarrassment that that would bring upon you. Well, so, what what really is am. a himbo? What is it? Yeah, okay. Please, I need so to know a himbo by definition <laughs> is a male bimbo. Okay. But himbos mm-hmm. have to be gorgeous, beefed up, dumb, but they also have to respect women. Oh, uh, yeah. So no, he doesn't. Maxim does not. He's very, he doesn't ever tell. I'm just going to call her the, the new wife because we don't have her name. Um, Lily James's character. He doesn't seem to be having a good time with her half the time. She keeps making these missteps, but he doesn't explain why it's a misstep. So she just feels horrible every time she's with him yes. because she's making him uncomfortable. But we don't know why because she's just like, oh, I accidentally referenced your dead wife. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to upset you. No, we're leaving now. Okay, hey, we're going to go at lunch now. It's like, what? what's going on? So no, I'm sorry. Not a himbo. But why does a himbo have to... Is a himbo a compliment or an insult? It depends on how you look at it. I would say a himbo is like... I don't know. It doesn't need to be an insult or a compliment. It's just a state of being. <laughs> oh, okay. It's a plane embody. of existence. Yes. Well, you called me on my ignorance. I was trying to be cool for a second. But I, I saw really that. Am, I saw um, that in the Google yeah. Doc, and I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to say something about this." <laughs> so you threw the rope. You yes. threw the rope to the other. Yeah. yeah let my, let me hang myself. Anyway, Mike, we have a dumbass character in Lily James who constantly sticks her foot in her mouth. Uh, not Becca. There, we have a non-himbo, but uh, he's the slimiest of persons. And Lawrence Olivier, for the, uh, on that note, when he's playing the character, he literally says to Joan Fontaine, "I want to violently make love to you behind a palm tree during the Hitchcock." Movie. How do you seduce women? <laughs> so, I mean, this is a slimy character. I think it's meant to be a slimy character. You want to talk about the ensemble here in terms of the script? They don't work for the story. See, but on that same note, so I'm going to take it back to Lily James's character. Because when they're still in the French Riviera, it almost seems like she's not even just like, oh, I'm interested in this guy and I'm awkward about it. It seems like she's targeting him, like, just for wanting to be rich or even then, like, fixing her hair, how she's pulling herself together. It's not just like, oh, I'm trying to get the attention of this rich guy. It's like, okay, I need to be like his wife. And that's set up really early. It's very weird. So it seems more calculated than, like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. He's horny and she's broke. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. And we hate that. It's, it's a love that. story, baby. Just <laughs> no, it's it's weird. Like, I, I feel like Lily James went from indentured servitude from being this capital L ladies' assistant to an indentured servitude being basically thrust into this marriage. But then she becomes like, again, without explanation, the most uber capable person in the world. And yeah. she's like doing, a, she like becomes part-time investigator. She goes, well, that's part-time the power of love, counselor. Mike. That's right. the thing. Yes, that's yeah. just the power Huey of Lewis love. Huey Lewis had it right all along. You're right. That's my bad for questioning <laughs> All right, so we, we got to get into spoilers. I, I feel us Sorry. all itching to get there. <laughs> I, I think the uh, production values are the, the best part for much of it because they actually shot on location. You got some gorgeous And the settings. locations mm-hmm. are absolutely stunning. Which is why I'm annoyed they made them look dull. Yeah. Because they're beautiful locations. Like, I would say a great scene, with, I'm going to bring up Pride and Prejudice. Was it 2004 or 2008 with the Kieran sure. Knightley version? But, like, mm-hmm. they made... Um, 
Darcy's home looks so stunning and beautiful and it really is like this, like she falls in love with him through that like setting and that like really puts in, um, like takes into attention or into account how beautiful the setting is. This does not do that when Manderley is quite literally a character in half of these stories. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, there's, there's just no, you know, usually when you have a centerpiece uh, setting, Mm-hmm. It has to be all encompassing in one way or no- another, and I just felt like this was just okay. This scene takes place in this room. This scene takes place in this room. This scene, and it was just so like again, it it adds to why you get bored halfway through. Mm-hmm. So if you're gonna marry a man for his money, then let's see the money. And let's get beautifully <laughs> right. photographed. Yes. I would yes. agree. And I then, want yeah, a house let's... tour before I sign the prenup. If I sign one at all. <laughs> These are life lessons. Yes. (laughs) All right. So we've kind of hinted at living well with swell. Okay. Sorry. (laughs) You're doing it too. I was texting Mike for like an hour yesterday, just rhymes with your name, just trying to come up with a name for the episode. You're a dork like we appreciate that. All right. So the performances are bad. They're uh, uncharacteristically bad for Hammer and Lily James, even though Lily James has been up and down in her career, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Anyway. Kristen Scott Thomas is pro- perhaps the best. Per- oh, she deserves so best. much better than this film. She does. Because <laughs> yes. there were times where, like, even when she's trying to be calculated, I was like, what is she doing here? Because, like, she's an incredible actress, okay? Mm-hmm. But I just feel like some of the lines they gave her was so on the nose, she didn't fully know what to do with them, which I think is just poor direction, honestly. I felt like she was in a different movie. Like, I felt like her performance was so respectable and mm-hmm. so, I mean, icy and on point, which it needed to be, compared to the total lack of attention and chemistry and draw that any other character really had to any of the source material here or what was going on in the plot lines in the A story. I, I, I just, I, I felt bad for Kristen Scott Thomas, who I also would like to call the second horsewoman of the apocalypse because of her. And, uh, <laughs> who is it, Anne Dowd here or was it the... Uh, Anne Dowd is in here. Yeah, yes. Anne Dowd. Anne Dowd is not nearly formidable enough no. for Mike and I's liking. No. I mean, we've seen her go 15 rounds with just about anybody, and, mm-hmm. it's, and it's terrifying. Yeah. And here she is, just she gets a little sick, and she wakes up, and then she's done away with. <laughs> Give me a break. Which is literally mm-hmm. all that happens, yeah. It's you sad. don't do Dowd that way. No, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So you get a house tour before the prenup, yes. and you don't write Anne Dowd as this sickly character. These are the, the lessons we're learning so far. <laughs> Any more uh, non-spoiler thoughts to tease our audiences there? Amanda, I have no Oscar lens on this, and I would probably say don't watch this and just listen to our spoiler section, regardless of whether they watch this. But is this does this have any guilty pleasure uh, guilty pleasures to it? No. Um, I saw one uh, I saw one letterboxed review that just said, you can tell Army Hammer is mid-divorce by his acting here, which is the only way. <laughs> I can like think of their acting here. That's great. Because it's just so much line reading. Neither of them wants to be there. It's so frustrating to watch because I do think both of them are capable of incredible performances, um, Army Hammer and Lily James. And so to see them clearly not want to be there and just doing the bare minimum with their lines was so frustrating. I wonder if this is bad enough to even be awesomely bad or is this just terrible? It's just boring. It's so unnecessary. That's the only way I can say it is it's unnecessary. All right. On that note, let's uh, tell you guys why in spoilers. Spoilers ahead! 
spoiler section of the remake of Rebecca from Netflix that came out earlier this week on Netflix. It is a Mike, Mike and Oscar podcast joined once again by Amanda from swell entertainment. If you've not seen the movie yet, may God have mercy on your soul. And he smiles on you upon this day, but you can go hit pause. Now go watch it on Netflix. We'll be here waiting for you. When you come back, if you've seen the movie already, then you're probably going to relate to what we're going to say here in the spoiler section, but this is where you want to be all spoilers all the time. The remake of Rebecca brought to you by Mike, Mike and Oscar with Amanda from swell entertainment. So as we established in the non-spoiler section, this movie disappointed each and every one of us. <laughs> and, it, and it disappointed you, Amanda, for specific reasons that I can relate to. Usually when a film like really gets me aggravated, I'm thinking it's going to exist in one genre and I'm expecting those goods to be delivered to me. And then I get an entirely different genre and I just feel fooled and aggravated by it all so what did you think this movie was going to be and then what'd you get well they were really driving home the point of like don't you feel her she's still all over this house you feel her in here and then the scene with the the ball where you see her chasing a woman with the dark hair which again we never know what that is um, that was but, such a fucking throw and it. it pissed me off so much mm-hmm. but it's just they they drive it home like oh this is a haunting she's being haunted that's why um, Maxim is, you know, sleepwalking. That's why all of this is happening. It's because he's so haunted by his wife's death and she is mm. still in the house. Someone is drawing him to their bedroom. Someone is messing with the new wife, all of that. And then, no, the big reveal is it's just a bitch. You know, it's just it's just Danvers. <laughs> just like, and also, side note, back on the Danvers thing, why was she not pissed at Maxim if she knew what the deal was? What was the deal? <laughs> Like, so, so Max, I I agree. There's the haunting thing and they abandon it halfway through and there's a total tonal shift. And that's what I was complaining about in non-spoilers that makes Lily James go from this doe-eyed, innocent bride-to-be to this investigator now to this legal counsel who's giving him advice on the stand during his trial. And why should she be believed for any of these things? I don't understand. That's not explained. But... I totally forget the point I was going to make here. Where did I start this? <laughs> See, but even then, even then, it's not even halfway through the movie. It's an hour and 20 minutes in, and the movie's two hours, you know? So it's like they spend so much time setting everything up, and then the twist happens, and then the falling action and conclusion happens so quickly. I was like, did you even try to make this interesting, or did you get bored? Did you well, spend all the budget? So he killed his wife. Yes. And she covers identified up, a body, yeah. And she covers up a murder at the drop of a hat for him, even though he's been basically gaslighting her and Stockholm syndroming her for the entire movie. She straight up tells he straight up tells her after the ball, after she's tricked by Danvers to dressing up like his dead wife, which I'm sorry that she should have seen that coming. That was so obvious, but. He straight up tells her, like, I never should have brought you back here. This was a mistake and shuts her down and avoids her the rest of the night. And then they conveniently the next day they find the boat, which we never give an indication that they were looking for the boat the whole time. So we don't know Mm. what happens there. It's like, oh, no, they just found the boat now. And the dead wife's body is on the boat. So now we know that he confirmed someone's body. Which we never know whose body it was. No one ever asked, like, so whose body was that? No one asked that. 
So Which, who who am I rooting for in this movie, Mike? Nobody. No That's one. the problem. And and <laughs> when your thought was derailed a few minutes ago, that is the plot. Like you went down a certain tr- train track, and then the movie goes in a different <laughs> direction. And it, like Swell said, it's a very disappointing direction. I, I mean, a couple M Night uh, M Night Shyamalan's worst movies. You know, you think it's this great <laughs> supernatural thing, and then no, it's just Pennsylvania. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Sucks. It's a total letdown, and that's this movie. No, it's just cancer again and <laughs> shitty people marrying because they want to fuck yeah. but even then with like maxim's reveal he's the only indicator we have that rebecca was a terrible person and yeah. then it, that yeah. somehow justifies him killing her she doesn't question that at all because right. we know from everyone else oh everyone loved rebecca so now right. you have someone saying no she was a terrible wife she made it clear she was gonna be sleeping around okay just because you don't sleep around in a marriage but like just because you're sleeping around that doesn't mean you deserve to die you know so but that's all she has now is maxim's word and she's just gung-ho to vouch for this guy and help him get away with murdering and exonerate wife. him yeah yes when now okay you're now he straight up hands her uh, her life on a silver platter if all she wants is money okay you're you're married to him turn me in They're, they can't prove you knew anything so if she's married she'd get everything okay if he goes to yeah. jail so if she only wants money she can have it then but no we're supposed to believe that she's so in love with maxim that she's willing to help him get away with murder. But the movie has not set that up at all. It seems at like all. she's com- totally uncomfortable and is trying to be more like Rebecca to make him happy. And he is not happy having her as a wife. My guess is that this is one hell of a biting critique of like the upper crust, the upper class in its book form. Like if this was a book club, we would be raving about her writing style and how she reveals all these people for what they truly are. Mm -hmm. A bunch of snobs and a bunch of just debased motivations all working against each other. And, And that we come away from a movie or we go into a movie, I should say, looking for heroes and expecting people with, I mean, somebody to cling to and root for. I wound up just hating everybody so much in this film where I'm rooting for Danvers. Yeah, she was fun at least. If I'm in Danvers' position, I feel like I am winning so hard. I'm winning more than my wildest dreams, <laughs> right? Because all I want as a servant of a you know a rich family is like to be to get a chance to be snooty with you once. Not only is she snooty, <laughs> she gets that chance, but she makes her look like a fool with the whole you know I didn't I left that section blank on the you know menu. That's two. That's two. And then she's probably thinking like already she's she's living it up she gets fired and talks her way out of that i can't believe oh, she, she doesn't she talk cries, her way out she, of it. she poorly cries her way out of yeah. that like <laughs> she's like hey d- maybe don't fire me and lily james yeah. is like okay <laughs> yeah one poo poo face from Kristen scott thomas she's that good of an actor <laughs> she gets out of it but guys then she gets the sweetest revenge of all that she relishes forever and she you know, does the whole thing with the dress, the red dress, and it's the biggest humiliation a rich person's ever suffered. After that, I mean, after that, she should be fired, right? But somehow they forget to fire her because he's accused of murder. Oh, you're missing where she almost gets her to kill herself. You're missing that part. That's the, that's the, well, so did the plot. I mean, that's never addressed. There's no consequence for that. When she's literally whispering in Lily James's ear, Hey, just jump. You know, maybe you just jump right now and you end it all. You'll never be her. He'll never love you like he loved her. But she had to have known that Maxim and Rebecca were not happy. And she has Mm. to have had at least some inkling 
that Maxim is the one who killed Rebecca. Well, so Maxim's a piece of she... shit in her eyes. Like, right, like Danvers is, was in love with Rebecca, right? That yes, was a lesbian clearly. love relationship. Yeah. So mm-hmm. Matt, he, she doesn't want it. Nobody's ever going to be good enough for Rebecca in Danvers' but then eyes. she doesn't, but then even then, like, Maxim clearly left, not just to get away from uh, Manderley, but clearly to get away from the doting of all the servants as well, to just be away from that because it reminds him of Rebecca and what he did. So Danvers had to have known that he was involved to some degree with her disappearance. So why is, and then they find the body. She either knows or doesn't know that that's actually Rebecca, but she knows that he did something. (laughs) So why is she not more against Maxim? Instead, it's like, no, he just sleepwalks, let him be. He doesn't want to go in there. Are you saying, are you making the case saying Danvers is the ultimate bootlicker? I don't know what's going on. (laughs) I'm just so confused by everyone's motivations. She's just a servant, a broken-hearted servant. I found myself relating to her mo- most of all, but you're right. I mean, if those are not ample grounds for termination, Mike, you know, <laughs> trying to convince your pa- boss to, you know, kill her, kill herself. We've all been there. We've all done it. Yeah, but then she testifies against her her boss, and then she burns the whole place to the ground. I mean, so she gets. I mean, it's almost a story about excess of revenge. I mean, she gets too much of what she Two wants. Two things about Danvers. One, when she jumps off the cliff at the end, it's it's completely ridiculous that Lily mm-hmm. James would choose to get into a pissing contest about whether or not she'll ever be happy in this metaphorical concept. <laughs> Uh, or versus, hey, maybe don't jump off the cliff and kill yourself right now. Lily James has the choice to save this woman's life or to say, no, you're wrong. I'll be happy someday. And she yeah. chooses the latter. Secondly, at least Danvers is wearing her heart and her emotions basically on her sleeve. Like, who between Max and Lily James has more red flags? These are two people that don't belong with anybody, much less each other. Like, Mm -hmm. Max is willing to propose to this woman on a whim, is willing to just give her the cold shoulder and just brush her off and treat her like shit the entire movie. Whereas Lily James is willing to have their first passionate cuddle session as a married couple in their new mansion at night. Be like, hey, maybe now's a good time for for you to tell me about your dead wife who I'm clearly replacing in your eyes. <laughs> or like, maybe I can wear her red dress that she was killed in or whatever the fuck for your party in front of all your friends. Like, what are you talking about? Who does these things? No, also though, but like, I'm sorry. Maybe I'm just way too common sense and I just am putting too much of this onto Lily James's character. Your husband has murdered one wife already. Why are you willing to stay with him? You know, okay, maybe maybe you maybe you love him. Maybe you don't think. Maybe you think he was in the right. You're you're an idiot, but maybe you think he was in the right, and so you help him get away with murder. But then, don't you think? You know what? To be safe, there's no prenups in the twenties. I'm gonna go ahead. I'm gonna divorce you and. Maybe he won't let that happen. Maybe he'll try and kill me. But at least I know that I am not around Maxim because he doesn't make me—he f- doesn't make me feel good, you know. So why am I going to be around him? And now I'm worried that he's going to murder me every two minutes. Amanda, as your attorney in the future, all I know gained from this conversation is when you get engaged, let me write your prenup. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Somebody needed a prenup in this one, yeah. Somebody needed and, a prenup, and its name is Maxim De Winter twice. Uh, oh, so, God. yeah, I, I think I don't understand his character either for many reasons because here he is, someone who refuses to divorce Rebecca. Who, of course, is the most interesting character in this movie? And we that never see her. It's wonderful. Yeah, <laughs> it's what they teach you in screenwriting school. You see, you know, if you have you have a you know an irresistible character, kill him off before the movie. <laughs> Fake haunt the movie. But okay, so he is so mortified by his wife's actions that he will not divorce her because of his reputation, right? So he goes off 
and, and revisits their honeymoon where where they vacation. Oh my god. Hey, where do you want to go? We'll go anywhere you want. Okay, I want to go here. Oh, by the way, this is where I went in my honeymoon with my dead fucking wife. NBD, yeah. it's cool. But he marries the first person he meets there. Yeah, and also people know him. He's famous enough as, you know, the head of Manderley, okay, that when he goes to Monte Carlo, people know him and are like, oh, sit me near him, you know? So he's well-known enough for that. Why are you bringing a random young girl that you just met on vacation (laughs) to all of your honeymoon spots? Obviously, you're well-known enough that people are going to know you went there on your honeymoon already. This is not good. And then again, like you said, you just marry the first first young person you see after what two weeks Ew. it's ridiculous and I, I that's why i agree with you amanda i thought they were building him up to be something worse than what we got i thought they were you know either a haunting because i forgot i saw the 1940 version a million years ago and i forgot it and i was going into this story almost cold again right and i eventually watched the 1940s version i was like uh, I watched it at Sunday night on YouTube there, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's why I forgot the movie, because it's so goddamn forgettable. <laughs> it's just not good either. I do want to read the Hitchcock. book, because, again, I am yeah. intrigued by the story. I want to know how the book handled it. Well, one of one of the uh, reviews I read about the book itself, they said this is Daphne Damore dealing with the jealousy that her husband was engaged previous to her. Yeah, And mm-hmm. so jealousy is like the whole through line and whether or not that's true, I haven't read the book, but that was one critic's critique on what was written in the actual source material itself. So like if it was about the most jealousy we get in this storyline, like it tiptoed to that point, it gets there. And clearly Lily James is having trouble living up to the ideal of this woman that she has built up in her head, of course, through the aid of Danvers and, and uh, Army Hammer and all that. But it doesn't and his go his family members, too, because they even yes. then they tout Rebecca and it's like, oh, us mere mortals like, oh, she's so magical and so fantastic she's like a deity will never live up to who she is it's like god no one really was rooting for lily james not even us <laughs> right. and how does that happen where he looks like clark kent and his entire family looks like a bunch of bob cratchits it makes no sense i mean his brother the bearded guy at the end okay side note did rebecca sleep with the brother too because i thought that's what danvers was hinting Cousin. at She's a cousin fucker. No, 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 that, but she slept with a bunch of people, including the cousin. But then Danvers makes a dig at Maxim's brother because he's helping helping Lily James look for the doctor's note. And Danvers goes, she never cared about you. All of you in London and all of you at the parties. She never, she was too good for all of you. Why shouldn't she have her fun? Did he have the other creepy mustache in the movie? I think so. Because if he did, then yes, I would say that's a a definitive... (laughs) piece of evidence <laughs> no i i don't i don't think i didn't get that she slept with the brother i mean i've certainly anything's possible because apparently i mean talk about just degradating this woman who can't defend herself anymore like exactly. nobody has anything nice to say about her once the the veil comes off but what i got from that was just danvers being like you know she was a woman you all thought looked down on her but she was the one really looking down on you so ha ha yeah right yeah, Danvers really is the only one because everyone is like, oh, Rebecca was magical, all of that. And then the veil drops and suddenly it's like, Rebecca was rude. She was awful. It's like, wait, what? Right. <laughs> just because just you say it doesn't mean it true. It doesn't mean that she needs to be dead, you know? <laughs> she didn't deserve to die because she was, you know, 
texting from uh, an alias uh, <laughs> named Adeline or whatever you said at the beginning of the episode to bring this full circle. Uh, she, if she, yeah, of course not. And he murders her and then he gets off. And Mike, I know you had a lot of issues with court proceedings this, in previous episodes. Of this <laughs> trial, Mike. Yeah. This yeah. makes the trial of the Chicago 7 look like a civil procedure class. Oh, that's a big claim. <laughs> like, surprise pieces of evidence aren't a thing. There's this whole process called discovery, which if you've ever seen a Law & Order episode, you know about, mm-hmm. where, like, evidence is shared between both sides. So, like, the check wouldn't just come out of the fucking attorney's pocket as this big, damning, Perry Mason-level gotcha moment. That's not a thing that happens. Did Army Hammer have a fucking representative? Was anyone I, speaking I on his behalf so. behind, besides Lily James? He had not Becca. <laughs> <laughs> He spoke for himself like no one like she really is just like you couldn't identify the body because you were grief stricken. It's like, no, it's been two months at sea. That's why you couldn't identify the body. (laughs) And by the way, whose body is this? Where'd you find the body? Because like it does seem because clearly Maxim didn't call the body like he didn't get a body from the Borg. They never allude to how they got the body. A body really did Mm. just wash up. Whose body is that? Well, how about also... If you have evidence that this woman went out of her way to go see a fucking doctor in London, you call the doctor to the trial. Yeah. You don't just go and investigate while you have the guy in custody. (laughs) It's like, oh, she had ovarian cancer. Okay, that sucks. But that could be a, a, you know, a clearing thing. Yeah. He's getting railroaded. He's getting railroaded by this kangaroo court. Perhaps the 10th kangaroo court we've seen in a movie this year, Michael. And his big tell-off was the dumbest tell-off scene I've ever heard of. And it didn't even work. But they're like, how did you misidentify the body? It was hilarious because he's like, it's been at sea for two months. It was bloated with no arms and an eaten off face. <laughs> anyway, how was everyone's lunch? <laughs> yeah, but that just makes that just makes everybody look stupid because why would the cops ask him to identify a pot roast that they found in the water? Yeah. Well, even then, they only identify her actual body from her hair because it looks like, okay, the skeleton floating through the water, that's her body they find, right? Yeah, correct. Okay, so then, okay, could this have been a Rebecca? Yeah, it's on her boat, but it also could have been some... She could have faked her death, for all we know. That would have been a more exciting story. And then we do have a Gone Girl situation, you know? And I think that body... I don't think that body would have... I mean, if she shot in the stomach... The bullet could still be in the skeleton one. The the ribs mm-hmm. could be cracked. Like, I know I'm getting way too far into this because clearly Ben Wheatley didn't think this deeply about it. But, like, it, it just it bothers the shit out of me that these things were left there in, in plain terms. I also have a question about the court proceeding myself. Why does uh, cousin fucker mustache man flip out in the middle of the court proceeding? To make it more dramatic. I don't know. But I also, like, I can't believe she offered him money. That was so dumb. That was so blatant. That was so clearly him trying to, like, get something against them to prove that Maxim killed her. It was so... I don't want to say delicately done because it was 1940s, but when George Sanders, who was... I believe he was the critic in All About Eve, Mike, so he's a, he's an excellent actor. When he was playing the cousin Sans mustache, <laughs> I hated that mustache. I don't know how he shaves the lip. Like, he must shave above the lip, like, way too high. That's, like, at least a centimeter high above the lip, and the mustache is just the middle lip, mid-lip. It's gross. Like, it's stringy. Uh, anyway, George Sanders plays that character, and it's all by inference. Like, you don't – it's not spelled out where the guy is getting up and screaming at uh, Army Hammer. 
hammer. It was my child, damn it. It's not doing that in, in 1940s best picture winning film. I mean, so that's why this movie is just like hitting us over the head with some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Also, I'm sorry. They're way too casual about the fact that she was sleeping with her cousin. Like every, for, for the, for, they're way too casual about that. It's like even her cousin. And it's like, even he says it like it's an afterthought. And it's like, wait, I'm sorry. Can we talk about that, please? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, if that was, if that's, such a non-surprise that she was the type of person that would sleep with her cousin, then why is everyone talking about her in such reverential tones throughout the movie? Like, either she was a scumbag or she wasn't. Yeah. I think they're all scumbags in this one. Yeah. One orders oysters for breakfast. Oh, God. Swipe so, so left, dumb. please. <laughs> Swipe left. The gr- and, it's, and the women don't get represented well. I mean, even the grandmother, just she's got this grip. Like this vice grip, like a kraken. She's scary. Like I don't, I don't understand why every single character in this movie has to be like n- nobody's good. Even Dolores Ed from Game of Thrones, who's the height of goodness and loyalty of the Night's Watch, he plays this character who's just a squatter in this movie. That here's the here. All right, here here's my answer. The only true goodness in this movie are the dogs yes the dogs are loyal they're still looking for rebecca they're still mad at not becca the dogs that's all i got see okay but side note back to the grandma thing sorry sorry i'm giving the dogs their attention but also back to the grandma scene because isn't that a moment where maxim if he really loved not rebecca okay would pull her aside and be like i'm sorry she she's doesn't know what she's what she is used to. She just knows Mrs. De Winter as a dark-haired woman. Like I love you. You are the Mrs. De Winter. None of that. No, it's the sister that has to comfort Lily James's that's, character. That's a good yeah. question. Do we think Army Hammer? Do we think Maxim actually loved not Rebecca at all at any point? Well, I mean, when you help someone get away with murder, I'm sure that stirs something up. But <laughs> prior to that, no. I think he just wanted to get laid and fill a void in his home, so he wasn't alone in Manderley. So here's an important question uh, for, for either of you. I have no idea. I tried to research this, and I, I couldn't find anything. In 1930s or whatever, do you think that Manderley is insured? Do you think that, you know, endless vacation? Because let's just say this. I mean, he does bow down to her wish. One of the dumbest lines of the movie is, uh, you know, they're taking a walk behind the house, their beautiful gardens, and she's like, oh, my God, this reminds me of our honeymoon, the exploring, just coming across cute little hotel and staying there. And he's like, that's not real life, darling, as he's walking through the fucking gardens of Babylon <laughs> behind the house. It's not real life. Get a reality check, idiot. No, <laughs> it's ridiculous. But, okay, they end the movie with them on an endless vacation. And In Cairo. <laughs> in Cairo. So do you got they must be okay financially. I, I want to know about that. Well, I'm sure even the rich people back then had offshore bank accounts, you know. He had a, a timeshare in Monte Carlo, you know, whatever the heck that was. It's a good was. point. It's a good so point. So I'm sure they had money stashed away. But even then, it's like he seems to, like, infantilize her. I know she's supposed to be young and he's supposed to be in his early 40s or whatever. But when she's like, tell me about Manderley and he's describing it. And then she's like, oh, you can't see the sea from here. Like he totally lied to her about Manderley. So he's already a scumbag even more because she's like, oh, you can't see the sea from here. But that was like part of what he said. It's like, oh, it's beautiful. You'd love Manderley. It's the ninth wonder of the world or whatever the heck he says. Who Who is written? Like, what is the conceit with Army Hammer's character? Why would Lily James go with him in the first place? Just because Anne Dowd is that insufferable? Or because she, she had passion during this one-day getaway at the in Monte Carlo where they went to his fucking dead wife's honeymoon spot? <laughs> 
Well, that was also her idea, and then he just went along with it, too. But then, see, but even that seems, like, concocted. Like, she knew who he was and was targeting him. What would it take, Amanda, for you to have agreed to marriage with Army Hammer under those circumstances? If you Army meet Hammer's this guy- very weird in real life, I'm going to be honest. From what I've seen <laughs> of his Instagram posts and stuff, he's a very odd dude. I think he is an island. I don't know. Um... To get married to Army Hammer for the drama alone with a nice prenup where I'm taken care of. Let's see. Um, there's several celebrity males I would do this with, to be honest, frankly, just to set myself up a little bit for the drama of it all. For a book down the line. Who knows? Um, let's see. Um, the career first. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, as far as like, what would it take for me to marry him? Yeah. It, w- it would have to be something like, like shotgun wedding. Hey, we're eloping. Cause that's the only way. Cause if I think about it too much, I'm going to be like, no, this is a bad idea. You know? So it would have to be an elope like this. She could be accused of a lot of things. Uh, Thinking too much. Is not <laughs> I, exactly. Which is why it's like, I think to some degree, the, the like, just marry me. Like, don't leave because you'll never see each other again because you're too poor to come visit me. And I'm a dude who wants to get laid. So I'm not going to overthink trying to find you, you know? Like, yeah, but I'm does not he even really want to get laid? Like, like they already, he, he's so... together, didn't they? But he's Before. so standoffish to her at all points. He's like, don't touch me. Don't ask me questions. Don't go near me. Don't go in this room. You sit here. Let me claim you with a sand M in a sunburn on your back. <laughs> that was so dumb. Yeah. I'm sorry. Which I is another so fucking bad. thing. Uh, wait a minute. I've made, like, uh, there's nothing that pisses me off more than when movies romanticize the big beach makeout. Like, you don't want to make out on a beach like <laughs> these two do, all right? You get sand They're fucking like everywhere. They're feet from people, too. Which right. Is weird. It's just, it's, it's gross. It's unreal. I'm sick of Hollywood romanticizing the beach makeout. Grease gets away yeah, with it th- and that's it. <laughs> that goes from here to eternity. Yeah. I mean, it's even worse on the waves there. I mean, the seaweed up your ass. You gotta no, fight. Once it. you're done making out, you got to stand up and basically shake your goddamn shorts out for three minutes. <laughs> Nothing more romantic than that visual. So somehow we came back to Lily James's side and now we're hating Army Hammer more. Um, no, I can so I can hate that... everyone equally. It's fine. Okay. <laughs> so was Ann Dowd right all along? Was she the yes. only one speaking? Should we have just been rooting for Ann? Is Ann Dowd ever going to not be the harbinger of the truth in anything she's in? Uh, I think it's in her contract. She has to be. <laughs> I mean, she says he does, he's only marrying you because she doesn't he doesn't want to be in that mansion alone with her ghost. Spot yeah. on. Spot on. Again, but that's setting up the ghost thing again. I just come away with this, you know, saying that Danvers won in a landslide. Like, she licked Lily James' tears off her face for, <laughs> you know, 90 minutes. And then she still gets to burn the place to the ground and, you know, a parting shot before she, you know, kills herself. Which I think she wanted to do earlier. Yeah. And, and you know, that could have been information that Army Hammer, you know, would have known, should have known. I mean, again... Like, there's no way he has that volatile of a relationship with Rebecca that he keeps her closest confidant on to run his house after Rebecca, the scourge of his life and his lifestyle and his reputation. After that person dies, she lets Dan... Like, Danvers has got, like, mind-erasing powers on everybody else. Because he even defends Danvers when... uh, Is it Flavel? Is I hear pronounced the cousin's name? Flavel, yeah. Flavel, yeah. yeah. Well, like, because not... Uh, not Rebecca is like she invited him here when you bland him and he like defends Danvers like stop talking about Danny I don't want to hear any more about Danvers and like does he almost hit her I don't know in that scene or is he just really loud 
I couldn't tell. What dirt does she have on him, Danvers? that she's still employed like she's just yeah there has to be something because it doesn't make sense because it's either like because keeping her around would make sense if rebecca was a wonderful wife like oh you're the last closest connection i have to rebecca yes you take care of me you took care of both of us i want to keep you around but then with the reveal it doesn't make sense why he keeps her around maybe she's just really really good at doing her chores around the house and he's like i I know i gotta fire this woman but damn it these eggs benedict every morning (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> she gets the sauces exactly right she stands over everyone else doing all of the work and she just gets to wear her her dress suits and that's it and, and speaking really of the favelle some hair yeah, yeah she, she combs it like nobody's business the favelle character why does lily james just ride a horse with this man in the most sensual way possible there's so many things that are just so one note and so unrealistic and so aggravatingly done just to uh, as a means to an end here See, but like if Lily James's character was through and through painted as this cunning woman who's just manipulating the situation because yes. she wants to be rich, all of that makes sense. But she's painted as this dumb, doe-eyed young girl who just Agreed. really wants to live a life. And, you know, Maxim is the way to do that. And then it's like, oh, is uh, Favelle the way to do that? No. Okay, now I'm going to ruin my own life because I went on a horseback ride. But then... With the twist, it's like, okay, now I'm a cunning investigator. Here's how I'm going to help the love of my life get away with murder, even though he's been terrible to me for the last hour and 20 minutes. Um, (laughs) And that's in addition to the the new version. In the old version, it's like, it's an investigation done in in one night. It's like in three stops. It's not this kangaroo court and plus this, plus that, plus another thing. In the original movie, it's just like, all right, well, let's keep investigating until we figure this shit out all this new evidence and everybody comes along and they get it done and it's done in one night in the movie it's totally different is it paced better at least because like that makes more sense now why in the 2020 version where the ending segment let's call it that just seems so rushed and off center because they they took so long to get there and then they rushed through it it seems it was 1940 so you had a uh, female character that you had to give no agency to mm-hmm. so we had that in 1940 so they're adding agency but they're forcing it and not making it make sense in in this plot with lily james so they make her the sleuth that she never was oh so they tried to the girl boss story. a 1940s character i get you i hear you that's why it doesn't <laughs> yeah. work that's what happened how much money would it take for either one of you to put on any dead woman's dress See, okay, that, that was so dumb to begin with, but then also thrift shopping and like vintage clothing is a huge industry, so that's a, a weird way to frame that question. That's just not going to work out. Um, there are so many people who Fair. like, I literally like TikTok, there's a whole trend on TikTok right now where people order literally grandma lingerie as a whole segment on TikTok, and they just like flip it. I'm not even so kidding. happy I'm, I'm old. <laughs> No, but like this giant painting. Okay, who is she told? Oh, it's his great great grandmother. You didn't get confirmation. There's no placard on that. Like, oh, what's the name of this woman? No, obviously it's in the main mantle. It's someone who is probably more recently in the house or a bigger deal in the house. So it's probably gonna be Rebecca. They had the 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 maid who's not her maid, whose name I forgot. Um I forget her name too, but I know who you're talking about. Yeah. It's like, oh, I'm going to have you do my bidding. Tell her you think that'd be a beautiful idea. And it's like a whole, it's so dumb. Yeah. Would that not come up in conversation between Lily James and her assistant there? They're like, hey, by the way, Danvers thinks this would be a great idea. Or, hey, by the way, you know, Rebecca looked beautiful in this dress. Yeah. Hey, by the way, in a house where everything has an R engraved on it, maybe I should check the identity of the centerpiece painting. Oh, God. 
Especially like because the the her maid does seem so upset like when she right. does tell her. So it's like you were way too casual telling her like I think it'd be a great idea. I always thought those would be beautiful costumes, and it's like d- did you though? But also the fact that. Uh, Lily James's character doesn't know what she wants to dress up as, as she's trying to be like elegant and, and show that she can take over the position. That's one thing. But she seems like the only thing we know about her character outside of that she wants to be rich and married is that she sketches. Why would she not sketch her own dress? That's a great point. The point I was going to make to piggyback on that, which still kind of goes along with it, I guess, is that even if it truly was the great grandmother's dress and not Rebecca's, Still weird. I'm not going to kink shame, okay? <laughs> but... The wig should have tipped them off, though. Putting on a red, uh, the brown wig should have tipped her off. Right. I mean, it, the fact that, you, that you know, it looks exactly like... It's just... Uh, I hated I hated this movie. I hated it. All right. So, I think I spewed out everything I could on this thing. I know, Do you guys have any positives that you can come away and saying, like, well... This scene was at least good because I figured that at least the one positive was like, well, that's a pretty, that's a pretty great prank by Danvers there, <laughs> and that's a great hair combing, you know, nasty hair combing scene. I, I don't have anything else. Do you guys have anything else that was maybe it was a creepy horse ride? <laughs> I don't know. Any superlatives? Anything good? Any best scenes whatsoever? Because we, I feel like we're doing worst scenes forever. Yeah, I mean, the only scene that I liked was the one where she does kind of venture into like. Th- Rebecca's wing of the house or whatever it is and starts going mm. through her desk and stuff like I only like that because it's like okay this is her taking agency of her situation I don't like the reasoning behind it I don't like that she's trying to be more about Rebecca like Rebecca and learn more about her but at least it's her taking some type of initiative other than wandering around and feeling bad about herself yeah right. yeah I can, I can get behind that but it's also creepy like at what point is Lily James going to be tipped off that maybe something's up with this Danvers character, considering that she just fucking pops up every time? Like, whether it's in Rebecca's bedroom, whether it's following the sleepwalking army hammer at night, Danvers is just always there. Mm-hmm. Why are you trying to please this woman? Why are you trying to impress her? And yes, I agree that she's like, that's that's a good subtextual scene for her trying to get a hold and trying to prove that she can match up this Rebecca character. But it's kind of undercut by the fact that Kristen Scott Thomas is always there to literally or figuratively shoot her down and be like, no, 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 no. You can't match up to this woman. They should have made him a himbo. (laughs) Yeah, you said what is the best scenes, Mike? I was going to say Army Hammer's got great hair. (laughs) (laughs) He's really freaking tall. He's like three feet taller than all of his relatives, too. But yeah, he's really tall and he still looks like Army Hammer, so that's good. Lily James is still beautiful, I guess. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, I mean... uh, Kristen Scott Thomas is acting. I, I can't really. I mean, the dogs. That's all I got. Yeah. My other one criticism of Lily James's character, because like obviously Maxim is so well known, and his mm-hmm. his missing his dead wife is so well known. How does no one tip off to Lily James that his wife drowned? Because she just tries to get him in the water, and then she feels bad when she finds out later after they're already married that she drowned. Oh, I like that. I didn't even pick up on that. Because he goes in the water with her after some prodding, but then Mm. she feels terrible later, and he doesn't let her, like, I guess that is kind of a hint, like, oh, he doesn't feel bad about killing, like, it could have been a good foreshadowing, like, oh, he does have no problem going in the water, because it's like a cleansing thing, because he got rid of his terrible wife, but they don't frame it as that. And she's only told that that 
she believes Rebecca drowned because this vagabond homeless man that's hiding in the boathouse just told her that. And she's like, oh, okay, that's how it happened then. Yeah. Yeah, it's nobody does their homework in this movie. They all... They just kept saying it's tragic. They never explained why. It's like, oh, she drowned. Like, that's such a quick... Like, this tragic death, she drowned. You know, it's not a fire. We know that. Like, there's only so many things it could be at the time. But if you're going to devote the rest of your life to somebody, maybe figure out what trauma has caused the (laughs) hair trigger temper. (laughs) Well, see, he doesn't even give her the chance to do that. Because every time she tries to talk to him about anything, he shuts her down and makes her feel like an idiot. He he is the worst. He's horrible. And then she is she is she is a dumbass and a poor dumbass. I it's guess just two and, mountains uh, of red. Like in a way, they kind of deserve yeah. each other. They're two mm. people that are just mountains of red flags. Why are you proposing they, that quick? Why would you say yes that quick? Why are you not telling anyone about a dead wife? Why are you asking yeah. about the dead wife when you are like it's just fucking. It's the I worst mean, yin and yang. In the one sense, see, I I'm a little more like lenient on the proposal and her saying yes because you know you're not she's not rich she's not well known she doesn't have she has no prospects aside of being this woman's uh doting lady or whatever the heck she is and so Mm -hmm. the i understand this rich man saying run away with me get married to me like that is a romantic gesture that you you wouldn't maybe even a logical character wouldn't think that through but when you look at their relationship he's never once made her feel good about herself you know like for more yeah, than two there's minutes. There's no, there's no wooing either. Yeah. It's like, oh, we'll go to your dead wife's honeymoon spot. We'll, I'll drag you into the water against your will. Like there's the makeout scene in the beach, which we've talked about is unrealistic and preposterous and ridiculous. And I hate when Hollywood does it. And then there's that's that's it. You're absolutely right. I I, I agree that I'm willing to be more lenient to her mental state in terms of accepting the proposal. Like yes. I think that's a good point you make. Like she really is up against. The world at that point. She doesn't really have much to stand on on her own. Sure, I'll, I'll go with that. You also, what me. was the deal with the book in the car in Monte Carlo? Because she finds no the idea. book. I have no fucking idea what that meant. It's like he's what like, put that car. back because it's from it's to him from Rebecca. So obviously, it meant something to him because he held, he holds on to it, which again implies that Rebecca means more to him than he's letting on, which is why none of this makes sense. <laughs> well, is he suicidal? I wonder. I mean, is he? Dealing with the grief of this woman he hated, but that's why he's going to, you know, their former honeymoon spot. Maybe it was the only time they were, you know, they felt close, kind of like in Tenet there, you know, that kind of situation. And and that was the one place he felt happy with her, and he's trying to make himself suffer by being there. And then maybe he's got a death wish, and he just doesn't give a damn, right? So him marrying this girl is just to maybe distract himself, maybe like this... Or maybe, or maybe he was going to have a. Maybe he did just want to have a fling. He did want to kill himself, yeah. and then he finds this woman, and then does actually. Let's say hypothetically, he does actually fall for her. The movie doesn't show that, but he does, and hmm. then they get married, and she's like supposed to give him a new lease on life. And you know what? I don't want to die. I want to live my life. I don't want Rebecca to win, because then at the end, when the reveal does happen, he's like, she won. She got me, and now at the end, she did get you because you don't have that that confused look on your face that I love so much. And it's like, okay. So all of it was, it can't all come back to Rebecca. All I know is the two yeah. of you just pitched a far superior movie than what we got. <laughs> I mean, if that was the motivation, that would have been fine. And him saying at the end, by the way, like, I, I'm so upset that she robbed you of your innocence. You'll never have that back. Bro, this woman just like 
went through 18 professions. She doesn't have innocence. She's the most capable human being on earth. She's doling out legal advice. She's being a private eye. She's being a fucking detective and an investigator. Like, what are you talking about, man? But they're in Cairo. Let them have that. (laughs) (laughs) It's all just a bad dream now. Let's go be rich in Cairo and on vacation. No, it literally is. She's like, I dreamt of Manderly last night. It's all a bad dream. That's all it is. Can we make a deal, Hollywood, that like if a, yeah. if something wins Best Picture, unless it's Driving Miss Daisy, it doesn't need to be remade? Because you certainly didn't like include any more representation in this film either, by the way. Like yeah. there's just oh, white people everywhere. The Wait, was anyone not white? Now now that's making me think. Was anyone not white? I try I think there they had might all have the been servants being white, which is yeah, I think there sense. might have been somebody in the courtroom. I'm not positive. I could be confusing it with the trial of Chicago 7, which had a similar problem with representation. But uh, yeah, it was bad. It was bad. So yeah, what was the point of this besides an expensive loss of money, if anything? Because Netflix. Here's the thing, though. Where do we come out of this? Do we do we hate read the book next because you're so curious on why this was a Best Picture winning you know, original film, on why the, the, the impetus to remake it, and on why... You know, there's a following. There was a big miniseries in 97 with Charles Dance, Tywin Lannister from Game of Thrones was like uh, the Olivier uh, Hammer character. My God, I, well, what's the uh, allure of this story or where do they execute it elsewhere? Well, for me, I mean, this kind of does give me the same vibe as like, I want to say the, the Golden Fitch. Is that what it was? The movie? Goldfinch. The Goldfinch? Oh, no. the, gold, the Golden Finch. Is that what I call it? The Goldfinch. Yeah. <laughs> that one. Um, like I I'm, I'm laughing because of the comparison to the Goldfinch. That's, that's no. being mean. <laughs> no, because the movie, I was not, int- I didn't like the movie, but I liked the, the overall story and I wanted to see how that would have been handled. So that made me want to read the book. This movie does make me want to read the book because I'm intrigued by the story and how they messed it up because there's so much right. here that could have been good. I want nothing to do with this property <laughs> ever again. All right. So final grades time, I guess. I think this is going to be, you know, the least shocking part of the episode. But uh, I think we're all going to have bad grades on it. I have a C minus. Probably talk me down into a D plus uh, the way the way it happened for me. Uh, Mike. I, I yeah, I'm not. It's not failing only because the settings were pretty. And Army Hammer <laughs> is a is a beautiful man. Other than yes. that, I gave it a 66, 67. It's a D. It's just, it just falls so flat, if you couldn't tell by how the last hour or so of this conversation. <laughs> it falls flat in almost every way imaginable, which in its own way is kind of impressive, again, but still, it's a bore to watch. Yeah, I don't want to give it an F. Um, can I give it an E? Can I, can I make it a grade? Because <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, I, I've complained about, like, it's a beautiful setting. But I feel like even cinematography-wise, they made it really dark and gloomy, which it just looks dull. Like, it, it doesn't seem sinister. It just seems dull. Like, they didn't know what to do with it. You're so right. It's so sad, too, because it was so... Like, it's, it's a cheat code. We talk about that all the time. You're, it's done for you. All you have to do really is shoot it in a way that makes it look ominous because you have these big macabre buildings and this beautiful sunset and this setting. Oh, God. Because mm-hmm. even then, you have a beautiful setting, and there is something terrifying and ominous about a big, huge, beautiful home that's just empty mm-hmm. and sad, mm-hmm. you know? And they just co- it's like they couldn't convey that at all. It's a romantic thriller that was neither romantic nor thriller. <laughs> no, it really wasn't. It was sad. Duran Duran is neither a Duran nor a Duran. Please discuss amongst yourselves. Well, look, Swell, 
you uh, you're three for three with us and talking about abject disasters and failures. And like I told you uh, when we were setting this recording up, <laughs> we have to get you on for a movie that's you know good, a good one, yeah, <laughs> good absolutely. Edit. Good at all. But we cannot oh, thank you enough once again for joining us for this. Uh, we will give you a shout out for all your social medias like we did at the top of the episode Sounds on the outro. Great. But but thank you once again for joining us, Amanda. It's always our, our pleasure and our honor. Thanks. Thank you again for having me. Well, we cannot thank Amanda of Swell Entertainment enough. Uh, look, cards on the table. Amanda's going through a lot right now, which you can read about and hear about on her Instagram at love you to Golka. Like we said at the top of the show at L-U-V, the letter U. The number two, G-O-L-K-A. That's her story to tell, and we're going to let her tell it to you. But we do admire her so much for being able to pull through and uh, record with us today. And we cannot thank her enough, as always, for joining us once again. And and seriously, hopefully, we can get her on for a movie that's decent at some point. We need to do that, but it is a lot of fun to relish how bad some of these movies are <laughs> with Swell Entertainment. She does a great job on those, and, 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 and we have a blast uh, uh, with that uh, this three-person mechanic. So I've told her she's basically the honorary third host at this point anyway, so I think that fits. At this point, she's welcome to it, uh, for sure. <laughs> uh, but, Mike, uh, words of wisdom are easy today. Uh, follow Love You to Goka, not Luvu to Goka, as I mispronounced the last time, <laughs> because I'm an idiot. And it's the only reason we had her back on is to have you uh, correct the record. Correct so, the good record. Job on the social media be uh shown to be the poser i really am thinking i could <laughs> sling the slang that the young kids to slip have. in mimbo under the radar there. mimbo himbo whatever <laughs> it is if you told me it was mimbo like th- before i met amanda i would say a mimbo like i still have I, I don't get it we talked we don't for like it. five minutes after we we hung up uh we stopped recording with her here and she was trying to explain it to me and i'm just sitting there drooling on myself so maybe that'll be something we address in a future episode with her too we still don't get tiktok proudly uh mm-hmm. i don't mm-hmm. understand what a himbo is i'm getting i'm getting closer than you i feel like you're really struggling but uh anyway follow amanda <laughs> Follow Amanda on social media. Subscribe to her YouTube channel, Swell Entertainment, and uh, watch all those videos and hit the like button on all those videos. I know that helps her, and I know that uh, helps her grow the channel. Not that she needs the help because she's blowing up, but uh, you know we're we're really, really proud and happy when when it happens, when success like that happens to to good people and people that we admire. We don't do an interview show, Mike. We only have people that we really want on here and uh, for a reason. So she puts a check on a lot of influencers. She reviews a lot of products. She reviews a lot of movies and TV shows. She's got much more social commentary, self-awareness, satire. She's got much more of that, you know, level of uh, intelligence than this movie could even hope (laughs) of having uh, anything we got today in this episode other than from us so uh we really appreciate amanda yes wise words indeed and and, uh i agree absolutely with everything you say there as far as you dear listener what you can do for us as well as let us know your thoughts comments questions concerns about this movie rebecca have you had the misfortune of slogging through it yourselves and if so what were your thoughts or you can leave us the same about anything else we cover here in the mmo empire you can leave us those on our social 
social medias we are Mike Mike and Oscar on Facebook Mike Mike and Oscar on Instagram at MM and Oscar on Twitter Mike Mike and Oscar at gmail.com.com and on Reddit we are available everywhere you hear podcasts including and especially the Apple Podcast app if you happen to be listening to us on said app if you would be so kind as to go into the app and leave us a five star review uh, that would also help us out immensely Michael you gave the words of wisdom so let the good people know what is coming next from MMO on Halloween morn we shall release the third annual scaries this is the uh, mmo homemade award show third annual horror movie award show that we release every halloween so this year we are going to as we usually do have a bunch of goofy ass questions about the current year in horror i I wrote those already and then we we're going to focus on a certain subgenre and this year the subgenre is alien movies invasion movies and i think the sub double subgenre will be home invasion movies that I've been looking at. So I know you've watched a bunch of those. I haven't watched as many, so that'll be an intriguing section. So I think that's one, two, three. That's our format for the scaries this Saturday. Otherwise, Mike, we got another returning guest for the fall Oscar update special. Mm -hmm. I think we just coined that uh, title. That's what we're going to call it. And uh, we're going to get back to the James Bond character study. And in terms of new movies that we're going to be reviewing, I'm sure we're going to be reviewing more movies from Netflix in the near future. So this won't be the last time. And we've been high and low on Netflix movies of late. We were low today, but we've been pretty high in the past, so I'm sure we'll be both going forward. I like to think this was as high as anybody could possibly be on Rebecca is what we were today. So, yes, we will see going forward. Guys, as always, when reality sucks, you can come check out these movies and hopefully uh, have some spooky and scary reviews in one way or another with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year-round without the stuffiness. We will see you all very soon. See you.